Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Shulok. Shulisten, the podcast taking a pop at culture. Shulok, Shulisten. 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 Oh, very good, Benjamin. Ladies and gentlemen, you may have noticed that Benjamin both looks and sounds dead behind the eyes. But that's because <laughs> we're both exhausted because we were at Comic-Con, Dublin Comic-Con, Summer Edition 2023, and we're very tired. But sure, look, we don't have time to wallow our own self-pity because we have to look at Hollywood self-pity, including yeah. trailers for The Changeling, and that's all. But also delays <laughs> for many films and... Baldur's Gate, Ben, reinvents video games, and I've seen all of the new television programme, Twisted Metal. Sure, listen, Michael, if that wasn't enough, we've come back to our old pal, Mr. Hayes, and the code he wrote in 1934. And then we're going to take a look at what happened when we gave censors all the power, Michael, when we got the Motion Picture Association of America. Yeah, and then we're going to take a look, Michael, at 12As or PG-13s. Which is it? Does it matter? Which is it? I don't know. No, who knows? I don't know. Who knows, Benjamin? Ben. Yeah. Sure, look it. You know what's a good way that people who are listening to podcasts can give us now dig out? Go on. They can hop up on whatever app it is they're listening to this on. Be it Spotify, Benjamin. Be it Perhaps. Google Podcasts. Be Maybe. it Apple Podcasts, Benjamin. You never be know. A cast. Could be. They can hop up on any of them and give us an L five star rating. Give us a rating, please. It'd be real nice. I'm very tired. Just give me something to cling on to. He's very tired, everybody. He's been editing all weekend. It's like having a real job. So the best thing you can do for (laughs) poor little Ben is to give us a five-star rating. And he will be filled with, if not recompense and monetary reward for his efforts, the joy of getting a five-star review. Every little helps, ladies and gentlemen. Every little helps. It's It's literally the least you could do. For poor little Ben in oh. his little editing cave. You've just lost half the listeners by making it making them feel bad. That was that was a poor move, Michael. Have we gone too far? Yeah, you've gone classic, too far. Classic classic sure look sure listen, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Benjamin, speaking of going too far, Apple are releasing a new film called The Changeling. Michael, this is bizarre. So I, I watched the trailer for this. This is coming to us from Apple TV. That's what I said. It yep. stars Lakeith Stanfield. Oh yeah. Is that just French for Keith Stanfield? Yeah, Le Keith. Yeah, that's what like French. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Le Keith Stanfield. Michael, we've we've seen him in just about everything. He was in Get Out. He's in Atlanta. He's in Sorry for Bothering You. Michael, Le Keith Stanfield, he's just come out in The Haunted Mansion from Disney, which is apparently awful. Oh, anyway, no surprise there. We didn't get a chance to see that, sadly. However, Michael... This is Lakeith Stanfield, and Lakeith Stanfield's in love. And the first, the first thirty seconds of this trailer had me a bit confused, Michael. What is this? A romantic comedy? I thought this was a charming romantic comedy, somewhat based on the success of British rom-com Rye Lane. I thought maybe we were trying to go for a New York equivalent. I don't know what that is, Ben. That's because Michael doesn't watch films by people of color. Um, he oh refuses. My yeah. Oh my god! You like that? I'm oh. going to bring that in now. Every time you hit me with a little false misogyny, I'm going to bring that in. I'm going to tell you that you're oh. a racist. Do you oh, like no. that, ladies and gentlemen? If you like that, jump up wherever you're listening and give us a review. There's plenty more to I, come. I didn't like it, Ben. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> but this this Michael is a brand new eight part TV series coming to us from Apple TV. It's about a oh, man who falls. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I thought Indeed. it was a movie. It's a TV show, is it? No, it follows Apollo and Emma. Apollo is a young black man who didn't have a father, who is soon to be a father, and is determined to be as involved a father as one could be to make up oh, yeah. for the lackings of his own father, as it were. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But Michael. But Michael. What's going on? Something creepy. What would you do? If the mother of your child committed a heinous act of violence and then disappeared. I don't know. It took a while to think about that there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that did. was Michael's I thinking cap. I didn't have a comedy answer. I didn't have a comedy answer, Ben. It's, it's, it's a bit dark. I would be 
probably a bit more worried about you if you did have a comedy answer. But come here to me, mm. that's the exact question that happens here, Michael. So we're given a, a hint of what's going on here in the trailer, Michael. Yes, go on. Emma is moving to Brazil. Yeah, yeah, and she got kidnapped by some sort of spooky lady. Uh, Michael, what I thought was going on here, based purely on the the title and my own Irish hibernocentric view of the world, I thought we were getting a strange Brazilian retelling of Irish mythology, and I thought she was a banshee. I thought mm, the scary woman in the trailer. No, I don't think she was because she was in Brazil. Mm, for one thing. But I thought, Michael, because one of the core components of the Banshee myth is an old woman washing her hair in the river that you shouldn't go near. And I was like, maybe it's a Banshee, but also the fact that we had Changeling in the title, Michael. Traditionally, an Irish creature of folklore and superstition to do with swapping babies. Swapping out babies when you're not even looking. But it doesn't appear to be, Ben. It appears to be more along the lines of she's some sort of hag, some sort of granter of cursed wishes. Yeah, you shouldn't have cut that bloody bracelet, Lakeith Stanfield, you fuck. Why did he cut the bracelet, Ben? She told him, don't cut the bracelet, it'll give me a big curse. And then he said, nah, I'm going to do it. Lakeith, that was women's business. That was a woman's pact. <laughs> Stay out of it, Lakeith Stanfield. Stay out of it. Stay out of women's business. The Ben Colopy motto. Yep, absolutely. Amen. Come here to me. This what? is based on a novel in 2017 from uh, American writer Victor Lavelle, Michael, and it's uh, it? an inv- yes, it's an investigation of parenthood through the lens of the supernatural, and it doesn't have the same huge Brazil background to it as this seems to have. But Michael, this looks very intense, doesn't it? It does. You've got some very intense looks from TV's Clark Bacco. Clark Bacco is lashing out the looks as Emma. Interesting choice for her. She's gone from like a supporting role in a in a kind of niche comedy. Very niche. Where, very niche comedy. She plays Wayne's girlfriend in Letterkenny. Very niche. Very niche. Like the whole episodes of that show go by and she has a line or two. So this is a big step up in actual acting for her. Yes. Big time acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although maybe she's only in it for the first half hour. Who's to say, Michael? Because it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, there's a reason that there's an Apollo term to this. I mean, short of calling it Orpheus, Michael, we could have guessed a bit more of the plot from it. But Apollo and Orpheus are two central characters of the Orpheus myth where poor old uh, Eurydice gets knocked down to the underworld and he has to go and get her. I think we're going to get a similar thing here from Apollo having to go to the five boroughs of New York to try and find oh. his lost lady love. Oh, that's what it's going to be. And the sixth borough, Brazil. Brazil. Sixth, famously known as the sixth borough, Brazil. That has probably, Michael, simultaneously lost us all of our right-wing American listeners, but oh, also all of our Brazilian listeners. That was a well, good twofer. get out of here, Chad and Joao. No, no don't. Joao's can stay. Stop that. All right. Well, I'm just saying, that's our one Brazilian listener and our one right-wing American listener. I'm not stereotyping. I'm just I'm saying we have one of each. <laughs> that's that's one so. of each. We've had a yeah. chat to both of them. Um, yeah. So, Michael, this looks very much to be the next instalment in. Jesus, that thing that Jordan Peele did was very good. What if we did that? We could do that, couldn't we? We could, yeah. I've seen films and I know I've heard of Jordan Peele films. This looks a little bit more self-serious. Yeah, I think, I mean, in fairness to Apple TV at the moment, loath as I am to lick the boot of a corporate institution such as Apple, but Apple TV is making some pretty damn good television at the minute. Is it? No, go on, give me an example. Foundation is phenomenal, starring everybody's favourite internet zaddy, Lee Pace. Mm. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen a single bit of that. It's based on Isaac Asimov's massively, massively popular and long-enduring series Foundation. Why are we not talking about it on the podcast, Ben? Is that not what this podcast is about? I know, but we never have time to do any of the highbrow stuff anymore, Michael, because we're too busy churning out funny reels. Funny reels and Comic-Con content, speaking of corporate bootlicking. Benjamin, speaking of corporate bootlicking, I have very Very bad news for you. Aww. Your most exciting, the thing that you were most excited for this year, the October release of the upcoming movie Craven. Ben, you brace yourself for this bit of bad news. Oh, God. The release 
of Craven. It's Morbin Time Two. Oh Jesus, this no! This time it's Craven. It's been pushed back, Ben. Oh Jesus, Mary and Joseph deliver us. Almost an entire year to God. next August. Noah, get the boat. What's the point in going on? Oh, that's a very good joke because Noah was also um, that shouty man from Australia, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. That's, yeah, that, I forgot Russell Crowe's name there briefly on this Pop Culture podcast. <laughs> that's okay. Um, yeah, that's it's been right. pushed back, Ben. Are you, how upset are you on a scale of 1 to 10? 10 being, incre- 10 being as upset as Russell Crowe is when there's a minor inconvenience and 1 being not very upset at all. Michael, I would have to say that, surprisingly, I yes. would have to give it a really heartfelt, heavily weighed one. Okay, very good. <laughs> I assume they're going to spend a year just entirely reshooting it. Just just finding some way to make people forget about the trailer they want. Sony is actually going to invest money in a forgetfulness ray. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to avoid having to release that film. Very good. I I was trying to think of a film I could accuse of being a forgetfulness ray, Ben. What's a what's a boring film? Quickly. Um think have of a we boring ever made film. any films? <laughs> they will be boring. Ben, but there's other yeah. real bad news though. Oh go on. Spider Verse across beyond the Spider Verse has also been pushed back. S- Spider Verses yeah. Uh, that is actually quite devastating news, Michael. I'm quite sad yeah, about yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, Michael, yeah. I spent this weekend dressed up as one of the characters from Across the Spider-Verse. You did Peter B. Parker. I did, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You were bloody yeah. sweating. It's roasting at you Comic-Con, were roasting. Michael. You were wearing lycra and a, ba- a bathrobe? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Very sweaty boy you were. Very sweaty across the board. Uh, Michael, come here to me. What? Come here to me. Is there anything else been delayed before we move on to that? Ghostbusters! That's not the tune to that theme tune. Ben, luckily though, don't worry. Don't you worry yourself because the upcoming Spider-Woman project is still on track. How? How? I don't know. I don't know, How is it still on track, Michael? I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Also still on track is Blue Beetle, which is coming out next week or this week. Michael, that's set to be an absolute disaster, apparently. All I've it's, seen is people going, oh, this is going to be bad. It's heading It's heading to be one of the least seen films in cinema history, basically. But why are they not marketing it? I don't understand. They're marketing it through, Ben, having the actors heartfeltly say they can't market it. That's not good. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, the actors are like doing little vines. Vines. How fucking old am I? The actors are doing little TikToks. You've dated yourself something fierce there, my friend. That's not great. Me and Jake Paul just up on Vine. Ben, um, the the actors are doing little... You've dated yourself even more with that joke, I'm sorry. That's where where Jake Paul came from. He came from Vine. Yeah, but you've double dug your grave. Anyway, shut up for a second. What was I saying? The actors are going on Vine, Ben, and they're going, ah... I'd love to promote this movie because I believe in it so much, but we have to do the right thing with the sag So, uh, look. Which to Michael, me feels like they're promoting the movie, Ben. That sounds an awful lot like saying, no, I'm not touching it. I'm not touching yeah, yeah. you. I'm not Can't touching you. Can't get mad. You know when you have your brother or your sister and you just you just hover your finger in front of them, ladies and gentlemen, like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Can't, you. Get you can't say anything. I'm not touching you. Can't get mad. Yeah, so that's exactly what's happening with that. It does sound a bit like that, Michael. Speaking of the SAG after strike, another production company has met their demands and has been taken off the no work list. Oh, who is it? Neon Productions. Never heard of them. Oh, Michael, you have. What are they doing? Neon Productions have done quite a few things. I'd love um, to hear they, one of them, for example. They do a lot of the art house stuff, Michael. I won't have seen that. Ah, you might have though, Michael. I've seen, I've come into your home at who knows what hour of an evening, Michael. And I've seen you watching perhaps Neon's classic film, Old Boy. Old Boy? Old Boy, um, Michael. With Russell Crowe? No, Old Boy with the famous Korean... Oh, the original? Yeah. Not that one with American Russell Crowe. Yeah. Michael, I've heard you talk about Infinity Pool. Oh, yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, yeah. Alexander Skarsgård. You absolutely have, Michael. Michael, we've both made fun of David Cronenberg's son, Brandon Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. 
<laughs> Did you know David Cronenberg's my dad? <laughs> he is, yeah. He is, Would you yeah, like David to see a Cron- film? <laughs> <laughs> we also made fun, or it, it also is responsible for the hit satirical film of last year, Triangle of Sadness, with Never Woody Harrelson. Get oh. out of here. You absolutely have. You I haven't. Get out I've of here. I've been very busy Michael, then. I've been editing Comic-Con videos. They are responsible for our favourite movie and the reason that we've kept this podcast going all these years. Pig starring Nicolas Cage. Oh, that was great. Remember Pig starring Nicolas Cage? He wanted yeah, that pig back. It was very, very, very good. Neon makes a lot of cool things. They also made our favourite Groundhog Day spin-off, Palm Springs. Oh, with Andy Samberg. With Andy Samberg. So they have fully met the demand, Michael, of the sag after a strike. Grand and bunch of lads. Yep, they're going to do it. So A24 have done it. Neon have done it. It's looking pretty shit for the big companies now that the small guys are going, eh, we'll, we'll it do seems, it. Ben, maybe, maybe we're hitting an era where public sentiment, and actors are members of the public, let's not forget. Let's not forget, Michael. When they're not directly promoting their own films, they are normal people. But it does seem like public sentiment is turning away from massive mega corporations churning out rubbish because they're the only game in town. And it looks like a great time to be a mid-sized studio who's willing to stand up for what they believe in and be creative but also principled. Make an effort, as it were. Make an effort, as it were, Ben. Speaking of which, Ben. Go on. Have you heard the controversy surrounding the new game of the year, Baldur's Gate 3? Michael, this is the most hilarious thing to me in the world. So you and I are fledgling D&D players. Fledgling, Benjamin. Yeah, we've only just begun. We've been playing for about a year, I think. To live. I'm fiddling with a D20, look. Oh, I didn't know how that was going to end there for a second, ladies and gentlemen. I was bracing myself for the scandal that would rock Sherlock should listen forevermore. (laughs) (laughs) Come here to me. This is a game that's based entirely on the D&D system. There are dice rolling mechanics within the game. There's a narrator making uh, questions of your decision. It's incredibly popular, Michael, and it's sweeping the world uh, by storm by one simple fact. Go on. They are taking the A24 Neon Studios approach to life and making a fucking effort. They made a fucking effort, Ben. So what I'm seeing as, you know, I'm a very, very long-term video gamist, Ben. You, yes, I'm that's what it is. That's the term. Non-stop video gamist. And except I do stop all the time because <laughs> most modern games hold very little interest for me. Especially the modern AAA live service model which you no doubt know what that means, but you're going to very considerately ask me to explain it for the sake of the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Michael. I would normally just breeze ahead full in the knowledge of what you've just said, that thing yep. that you said that yep. I know all about, but I'm going yep. to be considerate of the listeners. Yeah. And I'm going to say, Michael, what is that model you're talking about? Well, Ben, imagine that you made a new game called The Adventures of Benjamin Colopy. Yeah. And it became an incredibly popular game. Hard to believe it wouldn't, but yeah. Yeah, you know, imagine it did. And people are really invested in this world of Benjamin Colopy. And then a huge studio like EA. Yeah. Buys out the people who made the game, The Life of Benjamin Colopy. And they make The Life of Benjamin Colopy 2. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do have a lot of storied exploits, yep. Exactly. In The Mm -hmm. the Life of Benjamin Colopy 2, there are microtransactions. Oh, like taxes. No. Oh. You want a fresh new haircut? That's yes, just two ninety nine. That's two ninety nine on the Benjamin Colopy store. Do you want a DLC of Benjamin Colopy Goes to College? That's just fifteen ninety nine. Do you want an actually finished, complete game that you can buy in one discreet purchase that dedicated artists and craftspeople have spent years and years pouring stuff into? Well, then you can go and get fucked because we're not doing that for you. Because we'd rather release half a game and then fucking milk you for the rest of the money for the next five years. Yeah, so Michael, what you've basically described is the modern video gaming landscape. That's Yeah, the- video games as a live service, basically. It's, it's such a strange phenomenon. And the fact 
I mean, Michael, you've you've set me up beautifully. You've teed me up beautifully to talk about my favourite thing ever. Go on. Late stage capitalism. Oh, Michael, here we go. This is the epitome of late stage capitalism. Oh, what's that? You've paid an exorbitant amount of money for a product? Have it half finished and you'll have to pay a bit extra for more. Because the only thing worse, Michael, than making a good product is making a good product that you can't milk more money out of. <laughs> oh, make a good product that you can just milk lots of money out of. That's what we want. Now, Benjamin, I disagree yeah. with you there because I think it's the brave capitalists who are <laughs> putting forward the money to make these games. They deserve every war award they can get. No, you're and wrong. It's the greedy developers and the greedy artists who ruin it for everybody with you're their wrong. demands for breaks and reasonable <sighs> timelines. Anyway, Ben, Baldur's Gate 3 yes. was developed from start to finish by a, a medium-sized studio. They're not a small studio, Ben. They might be independent, but they're not small. By an, okay. a, a, an independent studio called Larian Studios based in Belgium. And they've done a revolutionary thing. They People are saying they've reinvented video <laughs> games. Yeah. But what they've actually done is just made a video game like you would have 20 years ago. Yes. They've just made a video game that works from start to finish and you don't have to buy anything else and you don't have to pay for anything else. And it's like 40 quid and an incredible amount of effort and love and time and thought has gone into it. Yes. And it's great. (laughs) Yeah, that's all it took, though. That's all it took. All it took was Uh, like undoing the last 20 years of negative developments in video gaming. Just not doing that part, which is honestly more work and effort yeah. Now, there are games like this. This isn't. This is the funny thing. It doesn't really revolution, reinvent video games in that sense because you know The Witcher Three only has a couple of DLCs and no microtransactions. And um, Elden Ring, last year's biggest hit, is a complete game. You just buy it and you have it, and it's complete. Um, yes. It, it it's mostly, let's be honest, the big American AAA developers who are getting shafted by this. Because they're the ones who are pushing the live service model. Those brave, brave capitalists in the West. Brave, brave capitalists. So brave. My my favourite thing about this is that other game studios have come forward. (laughs) I can't believe they've done this. But they came forward, they're like, look, Baldur's Baldur's Gate 3 is great. It's great. Yeah, but, but this is not the new standard, okay? Don't judge our games against Baldur's Gate 3 because it's an anomaly. Michael, I'm literally looking at a tweet here in front of me that says, like a lot of people, I'm deeply excited about what the lovely folks at Larian accomplished with Baldur's Gate 3, but I want to gently, preemptively push back against players taking that excitement and using it to apply criticisms or a raised standard to RPGs going forward. That is by uh, Zalavier Nelson Jr. And I have one thing to say to Mr. Nelson Jr. Get fucked. Get fucked. That's a shit take. Get fucked. It's an absolute shit take. You cannot look at something that has set a standard and gone, oh no, it hasn't. Nah. Nah. That's too hard. We can't do that. (laughs) Our CEO's on a $40 million a year salary. We don't have the time or the money to be making games. To take your quote of the week, (laughs) Larian Games made this in a cave with scraps. (laughs) Well, sir... I'm not Larian Games. <laughs> Very good, Benjamin. Benjamin! Oh, that'll be my reel of the week. Go on. <laughs> Speaking of, Larian Games didn't make it in a cave with scraps. They're huge. By any no, they're standards, huge they're huge. They put a lot of effort in. They also yeah. didn't rush it, Michael. Now, six years they took to make this son of a bitch. Yeah, which is fine if you're getting a really good product. They're massive things. Ben... Yes. This could be this could reignite my interest in modern gaming. It really could. Like I there's a couple there's a there's a role playing game series based on Pathfinder called Pathfinder, ironically enough, uh, Kingmaker and Wrath of the Righteous. And they were kind of considered the pinnacle of computer role playing games for the last few years. But Baldur's Gate is just a step above them. It's everything has recorded voice acted dialogue. Ben you can cast, speak with animals, approach a random squirrel, 
and start a conversation with it. A voice acted conversation. Yeah. With random background squirrels. It's incredible. Michael, I watched a 15 minute thing um, of a person talking to Majesty the House Cat in Absolute Baldur's Gate 3. Fabulous stuff. It's incredible. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's like it's about 50 TV series worth of recorded dialogue. It's incredible. Anyway, Ben. Speaking of 20-year-old video games. Go on. I've spent most of yesterday, while you were editing uh, vlogs, I spent most of yesterday finally getting a chance to catch up on a TV series that we said we were going to watch. And I watched all of Peacock's new original series, Twisted Metal. Oh, God. You all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be- yeah, you know, I'm grand. It was actually, can I tell you a big secret? Go on. It's pretty good. Oh, that's great. That's actually good news, yeah. Michael. Yeah, 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 it's pretty good. Um, I'll go into, I'll do a little bit no spoilers and then we'll go into spoilers. What do you think yeah, of that? Yeah, yeah, classic, classic. So it stars your favourite actor and mine, Anthony Mackie. Oh yeah. And he plays the character of Hollywood actor Anthony Mackie. And he lives <laughs> in a post-apocalyptic world and he's just going about the place being Hollywood actor Anthony Mackie. And he, Tony Max. Part of Anthony Yeah, part of Anthony Mackie's job in the future, the horrible, gross future, it might be the present actually, Part of Anthony Mackie's job in the horrible post-apocalyptic present is delivering things from one walled city to another walled city across the desert irradiated wastes of North America. Oh, so he's he's Mad Max. He's a bit of Mad Max. He's a bit of um, Kevin Costner from The Postman. He's called a milkman, Ben. There's a network of men called milkmen and they all have cars with guns on them and they make deliveries and they try and not get killed by people who are trying to steal their deliveries. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And there's all sorts of other weirdos out in the wastelands, Ben, including... Oh. Yeah. Yeah, including the police. Ah, oh, The bad police, Ben. A-cab, baby. That's your motto, and you're sticking to it. Um, I, uh, or it's all I've got, A-nab, Michael. as it's known in Ireland, Ben, of course. <laughs> all near <laughs> thee. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, there are so many in-jokes from our personal life slipping into this week's episode. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We spent a lot of time together this weekend, Ben. <laughs> More than usual. Bloody Comic-Con. Um, the, the police are there, Ben. Women. There's also Are women not out there. Women, would you believe? Gangs of them, um, and lunatics. Ben, there's also lunatics. Me- clown yes, men. you already said women, Michael. <laughs> Very good. A lot of video little <laughs> sodge out there, and there's mad, big, scary clown men. Ben, hang on, Michael. And, hold uh, on. Hold on. Yeah, hold go on. on. I'm going to have to go back there and retract. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to yeah. the ladies. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, that's now our Brazilian listener. Our North American listener and our female listener all gone. And there's only two people left listening to the podcast and you're both yeah. listening to them, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I think we still have the fascists. I think they're still... Yeah, I think they're still um, pretty into me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Ben, yeah. Um, what am I going to say about it? He teams up with a, a lady character, Ben, called Quiet. Okay. And she's played by your favourite actress from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Stephanie Beatrice. That her name? I love Stephanie Beatriz. She's great in it, Ben. She's called Quiet because she doesn't speak, but spoilers, she does actually quite a lot. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and they go on a, a little romp across this weird kind of present day America where everything's more or less the same, but cars have guns. Well, that's good, isn't it? No, Benjamin, that's just America. Like the- hang on, hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the cars have guns, not the people. And it's still America. <laughs> the people have guns as well, actually. Yeah, it's pretty much just America. It's just America. From my understanding of America, it's pretty much just America. From our Irish Benjamin, perspective, you... that's America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just America. Do you like the actor Anthony Mackie? Tony Max, yeah, love him. Yeah, and you like the actor Stephanie Beatrice? Yeah, Steffi Beats. Yeah, do you think they have a good charisma about them, do you think? I think Steffi Beats does. Anthony Mackie has Anthony Mackie's charisma about him. Yeah, he's just doing a big Anthony Mackie. Well, he's Benjamin, just Anthony if you Mackie. Would like, if you would like to see them in a kind of quite light-hearted but sometimes gruesomely violent sitcom-esque setup, where they become enemies to friends to maybe more, and there's banter, and every week they meet a different weirdo. Then oh, that sounds all right. You'll, yeah, you'll enjoy Twisted Metal. 
Okay, a weirdo of the week kind of model. It's a, it's very much a weirdo of the week. It's it's your classic modern TV show of weirdo of the week that gradually blends into a more overarching story and everyone gets tied together. Now, Michael, before we lean heavily into spoilers, or no, yeah. as we lean heavily into spoilers, come here to yeah. me. One of the things that we were worried about as a duo yeah. yes, go on. is climate crisis. So I want to take the next half hour <laughs> to talk about... Um, the climate. No, I'm kidding. Ladies and gentlemen, M- Michael and I were very worried that they may have de-supernaturaled Twisted Metal as a franchise. Um, has that happened? Yes, very much so. There's Aww. there's no indication of any supernatural shenanigans in this, and that is one of my big kind of disappointments with it. It, it happens very much in a heightened comedy comic, but still kind of realistic sitcom-y world. It feels sitcom-y in a lot of ways. It's quite short. They're 25 to 30 minute episodes. Oh, I like that. Um, yeah, it's quite nice. It's punchy. Oh, I don't mind punchy, you know. Yeah, um, it's punchy. It's quite funny in places that genuinely... Okay, we're going to go into spoilers now. Yeah, yeah, we're into spoilers, spoilers now. Genuinely big spoilers. Um, like the the relationship between Quiet and, and the character Anthony Mackety is quite good. I enjoyed their their romantic tension and their transition from enemies to maybe more. Oh. That was very good. I enjoyed the dual performance of Samoa Joe and Will Arnett as Sweet Tooth. Yes, I'd just like to, to take a quick moment, Michael, as you bring it up there, to uh, correct you and say that it's Samoan Joe. Um, because we had we had an absolutely unhinged listener get in touch, Michael, mm. during the week and tried to correct yeah. me, Benjamin Colopy. Yeah. On yeah. my own podcast. Yeah. And tell me that it was Samoa Joe when it's clearly Samoan Joe. I'm kidding. Stephen, if you're listening, because I know you are, um, I'm very sorry. It's Samoa Joe. I said Samoan Joe two weeks ago, Michael, and it really upset one of our listeners. Yeah, it's Samoa Joe. That's why I said Samoa Joe. And I know, I know. You were right. I, I just, I was taking yeah. a moment because I can imagine that Stephen was getting a little bit wound up, Michael, and now we've had a release. Very yes. good. He's had a nice little release there. Um <laughs> Anyway, he's in it. He's uh, Sweet Tooth. There's nothing, uh, there's nothing supernatural whatsoever about Sweet Tooth. There's nothing, there appears to be nothing supernatural whatsoever going on. It's a, it is a very naturalistic world. Except, you know, some people are really strong and are chopping people's heads off with one blow and stuff. But it's, it's broadly speaking, there's no supernatural element to it. It doesn't, in that sense, a lot of it doesn't feel like Twisted Metal. A lot of it feels more like maybe Vigilante 8, which we've talked about on this podcast before. We have. Um, a kind of um, post-apocalyptic wasteland America sort of vibe rather than a weird supernatural nightmare hellscape sort of vibe. America's shit. But Ben, yeah, it's part of the America is shit genre, but it's not that shit in this. Okay. Is basically, you know, it's kind of mostly people are still nice, kind of. Why, why, are, why are people in walled cities, Michael? Because the the world collapsed, Ben. There was a. Ah. This is one of the best things about it. There was a cyber virus attack in two thousand two, which we never really get fully into the details of. Um, but one of the best things about it is music stopped being made in two thousand two. So the entire soundtrack, including some key moments, are the songs that were popular in the club in two thousand two, which one is which is when I was in the club, Ben. So this really harkened back to my youth for me. The young days of Michaelmas. A bit of Cisco, Ben. A bit of the thong song. A bit <laughs> sure, of a what more Barbie girl in a Barbie world, Ben. It's great stuff altogether. Um, but can I tell you the big thing that disappointed me? One, one thing that's cool is seeing the Twisted Metal characters. There are, surprisingly, more of them than I expected. Okay. And they're well introduced. But can I tell you the big, sad, big disappointment? Go on. Are you ready? Can I take one guess? Go on. There was no one that was physically grafted to a motor vehicle. No, there's no one that's physically grafted to a motor vehicle yet. But that might be coming. But here's (laughs) the big, sad, big disappointment. It's a prequel. Ah! Exactly. So the final episode, Ben, and here come the huge spoilers now. The final episode turns out that this whole series was a test orchestrated by the character Nev Campbell 
on the character of the actor Anthony Mackie to see if he would be good enough to enter on behalf of New San Francisco the Twisted Metal Tournament. What a load of bollocks. Organised by Calypso. If this doesn't get a season two, Ben, I say we revolt. What a load of shite. Exactly. So season two is promising to be what we wanted. Twisted Metal. Season two is going to be the Twisted Metal Tournament. So this is actually, as opposed to Twisted Metal, this is Tony Max takes a Sunday spin. Tony Max Sunday spin is what this is called. Yeah, that is very actually good. possibly a thing on Spin 1038. I'm not sure. <laughs> this is Tony Max coming to you straight from. This is Doja Cat with You Spin Me Right Round, baby. That's very good. Yeah, Tony Max. Um, anyway, it, it's pretty good, though. I enjoyed it. Uh, terrible. Terrible. No, not terrible. Bad adaptation of Twisted Metal. Good action comedy sci- you know what you know what the vibe is most like for me go on Zombieland oh yeah 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 okay it's got a kind of Zombieland-esque vibe to it imagine Anthony Mackie imagine the actor Anthony Mackie in a Zombieland type situation just without zombies but instead there's just bad cops oh yeah okay you know it's it's, it's pretty good. It's good. It, it gets it's by on charisma and fun, but it's terrible twisted metal. But That's I a bit don't like know us, how Michael. they can. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how. <laughs> Me, anyway. I don't know how they'll manage season <laughs> oh, two. I gentlemen. don't know how. I don't know how they're going to swerve into season two and have season two be coherent and yet a grim, dark, nightmare world of supernatural fantasy horror. Yeah, because Michael, if they didn't have any Supernatural in an entire first fucking season, you can get fucked trying to bring it in so in the second. They hint, well, they don't, they show the back of his head, but there's hints of Calypso. <sighs> who's it going to be, Michael? Who's going to play him? I don't know. I don't know who's going to play him. But I, I'll, I, give you, I'll give you a triumvirate, Michael. Go on. I'll give you three possibilities. Number right. one, Jason Bateman. Okay, yeah, I could see that. That would be good. Fitting in the tone of the world. Number yes. two, yes. Michael. Steve Buscemi. As a real wild card. <laughs> real wild card, yeah. That, that's three. my wild Maybe card. Maybe not, not as wild card as number three. Mini Driver. The actress oh! Mini Driver. Hired purely for her family name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She would her like she would be driving a Mini. Oh, that'd be a great. Forget about her being Calypso. She should just be the actress Minnie Driver who was in Hollywood during the apocalypse. And she drives around in a Mini with fucking machine guns on it. And everyone's like, who's this? And he's like, it's Minnie oh. Driver. And there's a whole urban legend about the Mini Driver. Who is the Mini Driver? And then yeah. the Mini opens and Mini Driver steps out. Fucking gold. Peacock, write it down. Hopefully, Michael, if this doesn't get a season two, AI will have advanced to the point where you and I can make that (laughs) (laughs) by the time it should be around. Benjamin, you do a bloody AI mid-journey for us of the actress Mini Driver as a a twisted metal character driving a Mini with machine guns on it. (laughs) Anyway, who was your third pick for Calypso? My, no, I think that I think we're done. I don't think I can peak that bit of comedy genius, Michael. Um, come here to me. If that what? were to be the case, if you did have Mini Driver roaring around the streets of a dystopia, how do you think you'd rate that? Oh, very good. Um, speaking of like post-apocalyptic hellscapes, um, <laughs> it depends, Benjamin. Would you see the inside of her thigh? Do you think? Uh probably not. No, you probably wouldn't. Okay, well, that would help. No. Would uh, would there be any narcotics, do you think? Um, I mean, probably. Would people be effing and blinding? Uh, I think, I don't know, are they effing and blinding in the current series? Yeah, oh yeah, everyone's saying fuck you. you yeah, well, then we'd probably have a bit more of that. Yeah. Do you think there would be any firearms pointed at people? Oh, in undoubtedly, Michael. She's got two miniguns. Oh, mini guns! There'd be mini guns as well. There'd be mini guns. Yeah. There'd be mini guns on the mini driven by Mini Driver. Yeah. 
Oh, Ben, you're going to have a hard job on this AI art for this. Um, I don't think I am, Michael. I think AI has been designed expressly for this purpose. This is why AI was created. <laughs> AI has just been waiting for this shot. So, Ben, um, yeah. of course, we're doing a bit here because we're talking about the Hayes Code. Yeah, Michael, the Hayes Code. And the, the history. Hayes code. The Hayes Code and history. Yeah. Of rating uh, films. The reason we're talking about this is because you had an interesting experience going to see Barbie a few weeks ago. Go on, yeah. No, well, it was your experience. Oh, yeah. No, I went into the cinema, Michael. Now, before we do this, Michael, hold, hold the phone. What? <laughs> hold the phone. Oh, it's okay. It's the hell. last time I talked about this, people stopped listening and started commenting, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I got a lot of fucking jip from people we who did. didn't listen to what I was saying. Yeah, that's normal, though. <laughs> Fuck that. So, Michael, I went to the cinema. And yes. the cinema I was in... In yeah. Ireland. No, Ben, so what you're saying is all cinemas. Is I went to see saying? Barbie in all cinemas on the day it came out. All of them. All I cinemas s- in the world. <laughs> I split Regardless my consciousness the- into millions. Yeah. And yeah. I went and visited all of them. Yeah. Now, Michael, I went to a cinema in Ireland at 2pm right, in the afternoon. Yeah, that's what the okay. PM means. I went into the cinema... And in that cinema were many, many mothers and fathers with their yes. children going to see a Barbie movie. Now, listen, before you no, tap your fucking comment button, this isn't for you, Michael. I'm having a direct ben, conversation ben, with the listeners. But I went to see Barbie and there were no kids when I went to see it. So what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't understand what you mean. Ladies and gentlemen, I was not in the same cinema as you. Don't type that comment. Secondly, <laughs> secondly. Yeah. I think you just didn't understand the film because you're a man, Ben. Oh. <laughs> secondly. Yes, go on. I have no issue with the feminist backbone of the film. I have no issue with the on-the-nose explanation of the patriarchy. I have no issue with any of the female characters portrayed in the Barbie film. Yes. I don't think children would struggle with the concept of feminism or equality in the Barbie film. I don't know what your point is, then. (laughs) What I did think was interesting... Yes? ...was that there's a huge section at the end of the film... Yeah. ...about death and legacy... And I thought, humorously, yes, underscore, that that might lead to the occasional awkward conversation between the parents that were in the room and their children on the way home. But Ben, I went to see it and there were no kids at all in the screening that I saw it in. So I can't relate to your story. So what are you talking about? (laughs) I don't know, Michael. I don't know what you mean. Ben, I had that very experience of my own. Um, Well, we had, we famously had that experience when we went to see Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, and someone brought toddlers. And that was fucking gas. But I had the same experience because I went to see in the cinema too young. I went to see Forrest Gump. Oh, that's very young, Michael. There's prostitutes in that film. There's prostitutes in it. There's AIDS. There's, uh, I think Forrest Gump gets a wank off Jenny. A bit of racism? I think there's a good bit of racism, but that's fine. You can show racism to young people. Oh, that's you just grand. Can't show, you can't show there's a bit of AIDS. I, ben, I didn't know until I was about 26 that Jenny died of AIDS. Oh, no, she dies of AIDS. Yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah, went yeah. right over my tiny little head. Yeah, that's not explained at all, though. Well, exactly, Ben, because some films have subtext that might go over tiny people's heads if they're there. But, Michael, I didn't see Forrest Gump in the cinema with you. No, because you weren't born. Well, I don't see what that has to do with it, Michael. (laughs) I fundamentally disagree with your experience of the film Forrest Gump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there were no kids when I went to see Barbie. But Ben, (laughs) that got us to thinking, what's the right thing to do with a film, Ben, so that you can see, so that the most people can see it and enjoy it, but you don't go badly affecting people who would be badly affected by it? Personally, I think the best thing to do is just ban films. Yeah, just get rid of them. No good in the bin. They're no good for the moral structure of society. 
So yeah. if people are going to be making films with sexy women in them, mm-hmm. I would say you're better off just banning them. Yeah, it's no good. <laughs> it's no good. So Ben, tell us about the Hayes Code. So Michael, if you weren't going to out and out throw away an entire industry, Michael. <laughs> yes, go on. If you weren't going to fuck it in the bin, as it were. <laughs> yeah. You might go about taking into account the age of your viewer and what might be appropriate or not appropriate based on certain age limits within the American public. Okay, go on. So that is how the Hayes Code was brought about. The Hayes Code was a list of um, re- a list of requirements for films to pass in order to get certain ratings. And ratings were a big deal, Michael, because they could limit your audience in the extreme. So you wanted to get a low enough rating for your film to be shown at the Sunday matinee, for example. You wanted to avoid a scenario where you limited your audience by sheer merit of a misplaced curse word. Does that make sense? It does very much so, Ben. Um, I watched a, a very interesting documentary on the history of this. and Go on. It's, it's, there's a fascinating history of the MPAA, the Motion Picture Association of America, uh-huh. and the Raiders. Do you know anything about the Raiders, Ben? No, tell me more. So the Raiders are and were and always have been a secret board of parents who rate the films. Get out of town. It's, and it's highly, highly secret who they are. That sounds like a really shit only, Justice League. I know. And the only qualification to be an MPAA rater appears to be that you are a concerned parent. I'm not one of those. And... Exactly. So you couldn't be one of the famous raters, Ben. But that feels vaguely discriminatory. Finding who the raters for the M- exactly finding who the raters for the MPAA were is like one of the great mysteries of Hollywood history. Okay. People don't know who those raters are. So the funny thing about the MPAA and the rating system, as you said, you know, you don't want your film to be restricted in its audience. So if the raters come out and say oh, you said fuck a bit too much and when when that female character leaned over there was the hint of an outline of a nipple. So we're going to give you an X rating. <laughs> and then you go, oh, but then only 25% of the cinema going public is allowed to see it. Mm-hmm. And then the MPAA, will, Ben, would say to you, well, the good news is we're a voluntary organisation and you don't have to take a rating. And you would go, oh, that's fabulous. Well, I'll just release it unrated then. And then the MPAA would say, that's fine. Yeah, you'll just have to go and find a distributor for it who doesn't work with the MPAA and find a th- find a chain of theatres who'll broadcast it for you who don't follow the MPAA ratings. And then you might say to them, well, can you recommend any of them? And then the MPAA would say, oh, no, there are none. Oh, sorry, sorry. I oh, misspoke. Yeah. I said you'd have to do that. I didn't say you yeah. could do that. Well, you can, but there just aren't any. But, I mean, you don't have to be rated if you don't want. Oh, very sneaky. So what sneaky, do you think of that? Very fucking sneaky, Ben. It's an incredibly labyrinthine thing where everyone in Hollywood who hates it, such as famed author, what's his name? That That weird guy. You know the guy who makes the weird movies? Uh, oh, it could it could be David Cronenberg. No, you know the guy. David Lynch. Like, no, no, not that weird. Um, John Waters. Hairspray. Yes. <laughs> um, it was it was those three. Um, those were the three I had available to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're like they're kind of key in the whole story of this. But they're all like the MPAA is just the studios, and the studios basically hire people who agree with what they want to release. And then that's their way of keeping creative control over directors because the directors have to kowtow to the MPAA if they want to get their films released. Hilarious. Absolutely brilliant stuff. Ah, oh, Monopoly, Michael. Fucking... It's, it's a weird monopoly which is preserved under the guise of public interest. But it creates some really interesting situations. It created some fascinating situations in the 80s in American cinema. Go on. Because the 80s in the American cinema saw the rise of universal horror. 
not universal horror as in universal horror of the monsters as in Bela Lugosi horror, yeah no not that but horror aimed at general audiences or more specifically kind of kids horror yeah or horror which you know could be enjoyed by kids by brave kids the those brave one, children those brave <laughs> brave capitalists one of the first and most famous examples of this Ben and it's a favourite of yours go on because you love the racism in it is oh. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom I love a bit of racism. I love the way that they managed to just get a just get an Asian sweep, Michael. <laughs> they did. They just did a big Asian sweep. They just did an Asian sweep, and Spielberg sweep. was like, "This is fine. This is fine. This is absolutely fine." But it wasn't that that the MPAA were upset about Ben. It was the the horror elements. And oh, you yeah. remember that you you told me that you were traumatized by Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I actually was. That's not a lie. I thought he was doing one of his famous bits, ladies and gentlemen. Um, the bit that traumatized me when I was younger is when Indy accepts one of the people of colour as an equal. And that really, really bothered me when I was young. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, Someone's going to clip that out of context and I'm going to be fucked. Um, the bit that freaked you the probably. ever-loving crap out of me, Michael, <laughs> was yes. uh, where he pulls that man's heart out of his chest. Gross and horrible. It Terrifying. It bloody traumatised a generation. Ugh, no good. And the other film, the kind of horror film aimed at kids from that era that was too terrifying to be released as a general release and therefore got lumped in with the 16s and missed out on a lot of his audience was Gremlins. <laughs> Joe Dante's Gremlins, one of your favourite 80s films, Ben. I love Gremlins. Gizmo's my favourite. Gizmo is a creepy little son of a bitch, but it's not Gizmo that's terrifying. It's the gross and bloody violence that is not suitable for children. Yeah, it's not great for kids. Well, that's the thing, is it? Kids love gross and bloody violence. They do. It's one of their favourite things. So those two movies in particular and, you know, those two big studios and big directors who had a lot of power and sway and influence in the 80s, Ben, they were like, we are not best pleased restricting these movies to adults only because we think teens and young teens will really get a kick out of this. And some of them have money. Oh, yeah. And we'd love a little bit of that money if we could have some of it. That'd be good. A brand new a brand new brand of consumer, as it were. Exactly. So they said what they said was, look, it's not universal. We can't release this for all audiences. What we're suggesting is we do like a new grading somewhere in the middle. Let's say like a parental guidance for people under 13. Oh, that'd be good. And that led to the creation of the much beloved PG-13 rating. That's where it came from, Michael. Michael, this is fascinating. It came from the kind of gross and horrible, the the spread of younger aimed horror comedy action from the from the eighties. Hilarious, fabulous stuff, Ben. Though here's the thing, right? Go on. The thing we can't ignore here on this podcast, sure, look, sure, listen, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. The thing Go that on. we can't ignore is that we've been talking a lot about America for the last fifteen minutes. Yeah. And we're, in fact, not from America. No, I quite often go to the cinema in Ireland. Yeah, you go to the cinema in Ireland, Ben. And Ireland has a very different history with film classification and censorship than America does. It does, yeah. Because we're Catholic. Because we're Catholic. I'm not Catholic. You're a Protestant. But that doesn't matter (laughs) because the entire country was under the heel, the boot heel of the Catholic Church. For, from from its foundation in the 1920s. <laughs> and Benjamin, have you heard yeah. of the Censorship Act of 1923? I haven't, actually. I was too busy reading up about the Hayes Code, which we only touched on for two minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, fuck the Hayes Code, because we're talking about Ireland now. The, the Censorship Act of 1923, Ben, is a seminal moment in Irish history. It there is, are podcasts yeah. upon podcasts and pod- podcasts de- dedicated to it, including a great podcast by... Uh, a doctor, Aoife Bratnock, I think is her name, called Censored, where she talks about censored books. 
Michael, have you just dedicated your week to reading and listening yeah, to yeah. things about the censorship board? Hilarious. Dr. Eva Brannock, if you'd like to be on the podcast, if you happen to listen to this, I'm going to put this in a reel. So this is my yeah, this yeah. is my open invitation oh, to Eva Brannock. I wish I'd double checked her name then before you said that. No, it's too late now. It's too late now. We'll do Fabulous. another one. But Eva Brannock, if you want to be on the podcast to have this chat with Mick, we'd love to learn more about Irish censorship as opposed to American censorship because we want a hibernocentric view, baby. Exactly, Ben. So the funny thing is, right, in the 1920s, the big pushback on censorship was censorship of literature in Ireland. Because Ireland was very much about literature in the 20s. And cinema was this new, weird, fringe thing that no Irish, no well-thinking Irishman really bothered themselves with. Absolutely not. God didn't make cinema. God didn't make cinema. He just wrote books and sad poems. And songs that you could sing in the pub with the lads. Dirges. So, <laughs> so the cinema, the censorship of film act, nineteen twenty three, basically did something incredible, and it put one flipping lunatic in charge of censorship, not classification, censorship of films in Go Ireland. On. And that one lunatic was single handedly responsible for deciding which films were released and which films were banned. But not only that, Ben. That one lunatic, that one man, always a man, had to single-handedly watch every film and decide which bits to cut out. And that man was Eamon de Valera. (laughs) It wasn't Eamon de Valera, Ben. The very first one wasn't Eamon de Valera. His name was James Montgomery. Oh, I've heard that name. Yeah, yeah, because he... Well, Ben, here's a direct quote from James Montgomery, right? Yeah. Talking about how he makes his choices in censorship. Oh, good. Now, this is fucking bonkers. He said, I take the Ten Commandments as my code. <laughs> fucking great stuff, Ben. They would have been the shittest film censorship gigs. Not, yeah, oh, God, awful stuff. And Ben, he, he knew nothing about film. So... He would be like one of one of the major things they didn't like was any mention of abortion, birth control, divorce, premarital or extramarital sex, affairs, you know, all things that were not just immoral in Ireland but illegal. Not that they'd be giving women so, ideas that they were equal. Get fucking out of it. So what they did was well, Ben, I, I actually disagree with what you've said there, because men were just as fucking oppressed by no, this. That's that's fair. <laughs> This is like, some men wanted to have extramarital affairs, Ben, and that was illegal. They yeah. couldn't even God, watch God, a film about it. They couldn't it. get their end away, away from home. The poor fellas. They had to just put up with the nagging wife. Those so, brave Catholics. Those brave, brave Catholics, Ben. So the Irish film censor <laughs> was single-handedly responsible for going through films and cutting out any mentions of any of those activities. No yeah. matter what effect it had on the coherence or understandability of the rest of the film. Oh, dear. So there might be a key scene where someone has an affair. They just cut it out. Amateurly. <laughs> Why is that woman slapping that man all of a sudden? What's, what's, uh, uh, what's uh, she upset about? Yeah, they would cut out scenes, Ben, where birth birth control was mentioned in passing from foreign films. Or they'd cut out scenes maybe if someone walked through a pharmacy and there was an ad for condoms. They would just cut the whole scene. Jesus. Incredible, Ben. Absolutely incredible. You have to bear in mind it was the Irish Film Censorship Office. And that was one lunatic's job to decide what Irish people could and couldn't see. That is insane. It was... Absolutely incredible. Um, Jimmy divorce. Gums. Exactly, Ben. Here's a great one. Do you want to hear one from Lee Mohora, Ben? Was he, was he the successor to Jimmy Gums? No, he was a few later on. He was, uh, he was funnily <laughs> enough, one of the best sources for all of this information is um, the actual IFCO itself. Now, these days, known as the Irish Film Classification Office. So, Lee Mohora was... Um, a little bit later, he was in the 50s, and he was very much a hardliner like his predecessors. But society was starting to turn against him. No, not society. Yeah, exactly. So society was getting <laughs> ideas about watching, being allowed to watch women dancing. So here's a great quote from Lee Mahor in 1958, Ben. Right? Yeah. I'm going to do it in, a, in a, what I imagine an Irish person in 1958 sounded like. 
I have had much trouble in the past, particularly from headmistresses of girls' schools, regarding the antics of Elvis Presley with his most suggestive abdominal dancing. Abdominal dancing. It's a craze turning your children to the devil. Second great stuff. That's all amazing. So they would cut out scenes of dancing. Um, our, our old mucker, um, James Montgomery Ben, said this in 1935. This is incredible. Um, <laughs> he's talking about the film Father O'Flynn. Never heard of it, never seen it. I have. Um, have you? Yeah. I know you haven't. Um, I have. So here we go, right? This is great, right? So referring to the film Father O'Flynn, the girl dancing on the village green shows more leg than I've seen in any village green in Ireland. Better amputate them. <laughs> Jesus and Christ. out that scene went, Ben. Gonzo's. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Michael, Father of Flynn is a very famous musical from 1935. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've never heard of it. Yeah, no, I've seen it. Makushla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makushla Flynn. Makushla, as they say. Um, Makushla Flynn, turning against so her ben, daddy, the priest. Exactly. So, Ben, it was the 80s, basically, where they kind of rejigged themselves and became the modern IFCO, the Irish Film Classification Office. My goodness. And they said, well, we try and copy what the English and the Americans are doing and maybe bring in a rating system rather than needlessly butchering every film that someone wants to release on these shores. It'll give us more time in the pub. Ah, Grant. Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll give us more time in the church. Yeah, that's what it was. The church. But hilariously, Ben, the Irish Film Censorship, the Classification Office, is still nominally one person. Ireland still has one person who is the censor. Is that the acting director credit that you see at, fil- at the start of films? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's been replaced. There's a there's a new one. Um, but he's gone. They've changed it again, Michael. So Yeah, yeah. This it's a, it's is, a this tricky... is a... Go on, sorry. No, sorry. Go on. No, no, you go on. I don't have anything to say. I have an entirely anecdotal perspective on this. For years, for years and years and years, throughout Mm. my entire teenage years, from the time I was about 11 till the time I was about 23, it always had, at the start of a film in Ireland, acting director Kieran something. I can never remember his second name, but it was him for years. And my question in my head was always like, Jesus, how many years is he going to be acting director before they just go, do you want the job? Like, do you want fun. the job or not? And then it changed. And I went, oh, Jesus Christ, who's this new director of IFCO? And he only lasted about two years and he was fucking gone. <laughs> and One of my favourite things about it, Ben, was for that two years... Every film that started in Ireland, they showed the IFCO thing and they had the new director's signature. Yeah. But they'd done it wrong and they hadn't photoshopped out the background of the signature. <laughs> they just They'd put it up on a black background. So it was like, you know the way people make fun of older generations or boomers for not knowing how to sign a PDF yeah. and just copy-pasting a JPEG? They did that. They copy-pasted a JPEG of his signature onto, I presume, a PDF that then gets scanned. And just dreadful, dreadful, very unprofessional. Broadcast at the start of every film released in Ireland for the last two years. It's grand. It'll do. It'll do. It'll do. It'll do. No one cares. I have to get to church. It'll do. It'll do. (laughs) Anyway, Ben, (laughs) it's still, it's very confusing in Ireland still because the certificates for films... And the certificates for cinema releases and the home video certificates are different. They have different symbols. They have different systems. They're broadly the same. Like it's G for general, PG, mm-hmm. 12, 15, 18. Yeah. For home video. Okay. And then for cinema, tw- general, PG, 12A, 15A, 16 18. So for years and years and years it was really confusing because two separate boards would be rating the same film and they would get different ratings for home and cinema. 
Very confusing. Very confusing. I don't like that, Michael. So, Michael, say I was watching a film, and I'll just pluck yes. one out of the air here. Maybe, say, Barbie. Go on. And that was rated 12A in the cinema here in Ireland. Yeah. That could be rated a different thing in other countries then, couldn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's mostly the point of what I'm saying, yes. That'd be mental, wouldn't it, if, if rating systems were different in other countries and we didn't all share the exact same experience when watching a film. I don't know what you're getting at. Uh, these pricks that are going to comment down below saying I went to see Barbie when it was 13s. Fuck's sake. I, in my country, it was 17s. <laughs> um, anyway, that's all I have to say about rating for the time being. Michael, I mean what? this... With absolute sincerity, that is the most fascinating breakdown we've ever had on this podcast. Nah, 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 nah. We should have got like some pros on, but to be honest, we didn't have time because we were at. We Comic-Con. still might. We still might. We might. Doctor Eva Brannock, if that's your name. <laughs> it might be. If that's your name. Please come on to the podcast. Um, Michael, that was great. I really enjoyed that, ladies and gentlemen. Did you enjoy that? If you did. No. Get in touch with us and let Michael know you want more breakdowns of Irish censorship law and such in the following places. You can find us on the interwebs at www.shomrabug.com. You can also... It means tiny room in Irish. It does indeed. You can also find us on the interwebs at sherlockshillistenpodcast.acast.com. You can. Yep, Give absolutely. us a five-star rating on there, though. Yeah, hop up on that and give I us a rating. I'll come over and censor you if you don't. That doesn't mean what he thinks it means. He he will not bury you. It's grand. He might, actually. He's very strong. Very strong. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to get in touch with us very, very directly, you can hop up onto Instagram at your Luxury Podcast. You can. There's loads of reels up there from all our Comic-Con antics. Yeah, if you want more Comic-Con antics, there's loads of reels and mini snippets from interviews up there. There might be a YouTube video up by the end of today, as you're listening. Fucking better be, Ben. <laughs> Says the man who got to spend his day watching Twisted Metal yesterday. Um, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the quickest and most efficient way to get in touch with us is to hop up on that Discord, baby. Hop up on it. There's all yeah. sorts of banter and people recommending episodes for future versions of our Exhumed series. Or, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to do all of that, click on the Linktree link below in the description where you'll find everything we just spoke about yeah 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 all those links all those links alright that's it I think Michael next week we're talking about see you next week we're going to be talking about romance and why it's dead yeah on screen yeah it's because a censor said it wasn't okay yeah modern censorship Ben we'll talk about it next week oh it's going to be fraught (laughs) Frost. <laughs>